Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now in abundance to help us to love your word and to meditate upon it with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we would live according to your ways. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of Jude and we've been looking at this uh, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who's actually a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, a half-brother of Jesus and the instructions that he's been giving to a church that he cares deeply for, and particularly the warnings that he's been giving them as to these people who have slipped in amongst them who are leading people astray. And this morning we continue that by looking at uh, verse 8. We've seen in verse 4 that these certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among them, and they are godless men who exchanged the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And so as we look at verse 8 today, do we see uh, what sins does Jude point out to us now in verse 8 that these people have been teaching within the church? We see in verse 8, he says, In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. Jude loves his triplets. He loves giving threes of things. And we've already seen that uh, in the last few weeks as we've been looking at three examples from the Old Testament. Uh, but now he moves in verse 8 to talk about three particular sins. It is the pollution of their own bodies. And this would be a reference to sexual immorality. And we see he, re he also talks about the rejection of authority. Uh, there's different views as to what that actually means. Uh, there could be a rejection of authority figures within the society, within the church. But I think it's actually a, a reference to rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ's authority. Uh, the way the word authority is in the Greek, it's the word that's used for Lord. And we actually see a similar um, the, the variant of that word back in verse 4, where he's giving uh, his reasons for writing the letter, where immorality is mentioned, which is the word for uh, sexual immorality in verse 4, but also that it's a denial of Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So again, it seems to be that there's this focus on sexual sin, but also the way that that is tied up with the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rejection of him as Lord. And there's a third one that's given there, the slander of celestial beings. The, uh, the, word, the Greek word behind celestial beings, the translation there, is a word that's used for angels in reference to angels. So it seems to be that there's this uh, slandering of angels that Jude is talking about as well. Uh, what that actually means, whether it's slander of good angels or demons, evil angels, I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe next week when we move into the following verses, I might make a bit more of a decision. But at least this week, we want to focus on, in verse 8, the fact that he is mentioning sexual immorality, that these people in the church promote sexual immorality by the pollution of their own bodies and the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rejection of Jesus as Lord. Now, these sins that we haven't seen before, no, of course we've seen these sins uh, as we've been working our way through um, the book of Jude and working rather slowly. Um, I didn't think I'd be moving this slowly through the book of Jude. I thought, oh, it's just one chapter. Uh, we'll be done and dusted fairly quickly. Uh, but there's been enough in each uh, verse uh, to almost have a sermon per verse uh, so far. And, uh, and we've seen again and again that the focus all the way through these tightly packed verses is sexual immorality is a big deal. Uh, we even saw that last week with the mention of Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 7. And of course then the rejection of the Lord's authority. 
that, uh, that Jesus has been rejected by people in the church, and we saw that back in verse 4. So what does verse 8 offer us as something new and helpful for us as we look at these people who had infiltrated the church and tried to understand the way that we can face similar dangers today? What is something that is helpful in verse 8 for us? Well, in verse 8, Jude adds a reason why these people are committing these particular sins. He gives the reason why they are committing these particular sins, why they are polluting their own bodies, why they're rejecting authority and slandering celestial beings. You may say, hang on, haven't we already had the reason why they do this? Isn't the reason that they are involved in sexual immorality, the reason that they reject Jesus as authority figure, is because they presume God's grace. Didn't we see that, Joel, back in verse 4, where he gives a, a very good summary statement as to what the letter is all about? In verse 4, he says, For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, that godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality, for sexual immorality, and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And that's what I looked at when we first looked at this, uh, when we looked at verse 4, had a whole sermon about the fact that they presume God's grace, and therefore they think that they can sin as much as they like, because God will be gracious to them. So haven't we already seen a reason why they think that sin is appropriate, the sin that they're advocating is appropriate? Well, in one sense we have, but what is the underlying reason why they think that they can presume God's grace? That then leads them to sexual immorality, that then leads them to reject Jesus' authority. Well, I think verse 8 gives us that. And we see it by the way that he describes these people, these men within the church. How does he describe them in verse 8? How does Jude describe them? It says, in the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial being. Jude calls them dreamers. Now, what does he mean by dreamers? Well, the Greek word that is translated as dream uh, here in verse 8 is used uh, elsewhere in the New Testament to describe God's prophecies given to God's people, uh, particularly in Acts chapter 2. It's not a very common word in the New Testament. It's fairly common in the translation of the Hebrew and the Old Testament into Greek. Uh, but we see it used in Acts chapter 2 where it talks about people dreaming dreams from God, which is a quote from the book of Joel. And so this word is used to talk about prophecies given from God, dreams given by God so that people could understand God. And if we look through the Old Testament, God often revealed himself through dreams. He would give visions to people while they were asleep about what he would have people do. And so that is the word that is used. But it can also then be used to refer to false prophecies. Just as it can be used to refer to true prophecies from God, it can also be used to refer to false prophecies. And that is the context of it here. These people are dreaming false prophecies, are giving false prophecies from false dreams. Dreams can come from God, but where else do dreams come from? Well, they can come from Satan. He can instill ideas into people. They can come from the world as they give us ideas. And, of course, they can come from our own minds. When you go to sleep at night and you dream dreams, where do those dreams come from? Well, from the figment of our own imaginations, from our own hearts and our own desires, we have those dreams. And they can be false views of reality. And that's why dreams are so dangerous. They are often not of reality. We actually have a rule in our family that we don't share dreams at the breakfast table or any other time in the mornings, generally when you can still remember them, because they're just not worth sharing. 
Um, it's like if you tell me about you were there and then something really, and it's just so odd, the things that happen, I'm like, this is just not reality. It's not really doing me any benefit. Of course, when I have some very strange dreams, I then tend to want to share them, but then of course the rule is applied to me too. Don't share them at all. And I remember most of my, generally speaking, when I wake up in the morning, I can tell you what I thought about in my dreams most nights, whereas other members of the family can't. Uh, but, and so then they, of course, really want to share when they can, uh, but I still have this rule. Please don't share. Why? Because they're not reality. They're dangerous then, particularly if we have dreams that we then think are reality. You can dream that you can fly off buildings, but that does not make it reality. And if you believe it and do it, it can have deathly consequences if you dream that you can fly off buildings. And so you can dream too that sexual sin is appropriate and that the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a good idea and it won't hurt. You can dream that, but it doesn't make it reality. It doesn't make it true. What is the reality about sexual sin? Jude tells us it pollutes the body. And what is the reality about the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ as the authority over our lives as Lord? Well, it's death and destruction. Verse 5 makes that clear as he speaks about the destruction of those who did not believe in the Lord. And we looked at that in greater detail before. So we see that dreams can be very dangerous depending on where they've come from because they do not describe reality. And we should not base our lives upon dreams. But then the question is raised, how do we distinguish between good dreams, good ideas that are from the Lord and those that are from false prophets, that are from false dreams? How do we distinguish the false prophets and the true prophets? After all, this word is used for both. How do we distinguish what is right and what is, what is reality and what is a dream? What do we need to do when our own mind has a good idea? What do we need to do when someone says, I want to tell you something, and this something that I'm going to tell you, I, I'm, I believe this is what the Lord has revealed to me, that God has revealed something to me, and I'm going to share it with you. What do we do in such a situation? What should you do even with me right now as I'm up the front here sharing ideas with you? behaving as, in one sense, one of God's prophets, sharing with you how you are to live and how are you to relate to, with God. What should you be doing with me right now? How do you know I'm not a false dreamer up here at the front, a false prophet who's going to lead you astray, who's not going to lead you into what is real and true, but into what is false, into dreamland? Well, the Bible tells us Moses... That uh, tells us as well, I mean, the Bible tells us in lots of places, but I'll give you Moses, who we know was a true prophet of God because he performed great wonders. He gave prophecies that came true repeatedly and so was authenticated by God as a true prophet from God, not someone who gave dreams of his own imagination that were not reality, but as one who described reality. What does Moses tell us to do in Deuteronomy chapter 13, that passage that we had read for us before. In the opening verses of that chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 13, if you've got a Bible there, you may like to flick to it now, page 185, he tells us what to do in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 13. If a prophet 
or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. So what must we do when people come to us and instruct us and tell us what we should do? We should use God's word in light of what they're saying. And what should we do? In, uh, what does God's word hold up against what their idea is? Well, we should ask, what does scripture say about the idea itself that they're raising and the action that the idea promotes? They have an idea, and then from that idea will flow particular actions. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to ask, does this particular idea that is coming to me, whether it be from my own mind or the mind of somebody else, does this teach me the right way to worship God? Does it lead me towards God is what Moses is saying. Does it teach you to go towards God or away from God? Does it draw you closer to the sun or away from the sun? And does it draw you closer to keep the commands of God, to follow his commands, it says there, that we must draw near to God and follow his commands. Verse uh, 4, keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. So if someone is telling you an idea and it's going to incline you away from God, and away from his commands that are clearly revealed in Scripture, what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to listen. You're supposed to reject that idea. And Jude gives us a very good example of doing that. As he raises the issues that are going on in the church, he then counteracts them with his teaching, but also, of course, with the teachings from the Bible. What did we see in verse 5 of, chapter, uh, of, of Jude, the book of Jude, verse 5? It says, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord destroyed his people out of Egypt, but uh, delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. If you do not believe in God, if you reject him, if you reject him as Lord, what will happen to you? You'll be destroyed. How do we know? Because of the way he treated the Israelites. The Israelites did not believe. What happened to them? They were destroyed. It's the same for us. If you listen to these people and walk away from God, then you'll be destroyed, is what Jude is saying. And when it comes to sexual immorality, what did Jude do? He took us back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 19, looked at the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, looked at the destruction that came upon them as they rejected sexual ethics according to God's ways. As they embraced sexual immorality, they embraced a dream that it would be okay, and then they were destroyed. Jude gives us an example of what we should do. When a dreamer comes along, we go back to the, the Bible and we look at what it has to say about that particular idea and the actions that flow from that idea. And Isaiah says the same thing. Isaiah says the same thing. Isaiah, in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 19, he says, When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. They're living in dreamland. If they do not speak in light of the law of God. And Jeremiah says the same thing as well. He says we need to go back to the Bible. When people come with dreams, we go back to the Bible. Look with me now at Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. You can find it on page 774 if you have a church Bible. I'm going to read a fair chunk from it. 
Jeremiah chapter 23, reading from verse 16, where he speaks so clearly about the subject of dreams and the way to handle them. It's interesting, Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, we referenced uh, the other week in verse 14, where he mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. And so I wonder if Jude had the whole of Jeremiah chapter 23 in his mind as he references Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 7, then he moves into verse 8 and he starts speaking about dreams. And here Jeremiah 23 is so clear on what we should do with dreams. Verse 16 of Jeremiah 23, page 774 if you have a church Bible. Verse 16, Jeremiah 23 reads, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds." Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do, I, do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their fathers forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Therefore, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me. Yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare, the Lord declares, indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies, yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord." Same situation there that Jeremiah is addressing was in the church that Jude was addressing. People were saying it's okay. They were saying it was okay to people who were doing evil. It doesn't matter. And it says uh, in verse 17, they keep saying to those who despise me, they despise the Lord. They say to them, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. They can follow their evil ways. And they have these dreamers saying it's okay. That's the situation with Jeremiah, and it's the situation with Jude. And Jeremiah tells us how to deal with that situation today as well, because it's still a problem. That people will come and say, it's okay to reject Jesus Christ. It's okay to disobey God's commands. When it comes to sexual ethics or any ethics, it doesn't matter. No harm will come to you. 
So what does Jeremiah tell us to do as people come to us like that? He tells us to hammer every idea with the word of God, with God's hammer, his word. We saw that in verse 29. Verse 29 of Jeremiah 23, it says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces? What are we supposed to do with dreams? We're meant to take a hammer to them. We're meant to take God's hammer to them. And what is that? It is God's word. When ideas spring up in our own minds, what must we do? We must hammer those ideas with God's word. When someone comes to us teaching us, whether it be in person, face-to-face, in a recording, video or audio, in a book and tries to teach us something, what must we do? We must hammer those ideas with God's word. We must hammer them with God's word. And what will happen? We'll be like hammering rocks. If the rock is weak, it will crack. And everything that is supported on that rock will fall down and no longer be supported. But if the rock, the idea is solid and strong, as the word of God hits it, it will remain. And all that is supported upon it will remain as well. And so as we look at the book of Jude, and we look at the ideas that are being floated by these men within the church, and as they're still floated today, we can do the same thing. What happens when the hammer of God's word comes against the idea that God is gracious And so we have a license for immorality. Well, as we pick up the hammer and take it to this idea that we can just sin as much as we like because it's God's job to forgive, the hammer of God's word shatters it. And when we looked at that verse, I had all these quotes from the Apostle Paul in Romans that deal with that very particular issue, that we cannot presume God's grace, that we cannot go in sinning that grace may increase. By no means God's word shatters that idea. And as we come before this idea that we can sin sexually and reject Christ as Lord, if we take the hammer of God's word to such ideas, what happens? They shatter. They break immediately by huge numbers of proof texts that will tell us the otherwise. Going right from Genesis, when it comes to sexual immorality, right back from Genesis all the way through, I could just bore you all day reciting text after text after text after text that will teach you about God's sexual ethics. And the same with rejecting Jesus as Lord. We just go to the book of John and you see what he has to say about if you reject him, you reject the Father as well. Stern words. If you pick up the hammer of God's word and take it to such ideas that it's okay to reject God's word, you see that it is a dream. It's not reality. And it shatters it along with all the ideas that would go with it, that would stand upon it. So this is what we need to do. As dreamers come, as dreams arise in our own mind, as ideas come up, what do we need to do? We need to hammer them with God's word. And what does that then mean? Well, it means that we must keep the hammer close at hand. We must keep the hammer close at hand. Ideas are all around us. They spring up in our own minds and they spring up around us as we interact with the world. They're always there. As you turn on the television, ideas are flowing towards you. You're not neutral. They're coming at you all the time. So you must keep the hammer close at hand as as these rocks are coming at you. And Psalm 119 agrees with that. That was the psalm that we opened the service with, the, the portion of scripture that we opened the service with. Turn with me, Psalm 119, page 607, where it says in verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? How can you keep from being polluted? 
Well, it says in verse 9, by living according to your word. Not living according to the dreams of men, but living according to God's word. The true word of God. And what does that then mean? How do we do that? How do we live according to God's word so that we can be pure? Well, the psalmist tells us. He gives us a few ways. Look with me at verse 11. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you keep the hammer close at hand? You hide it in your heart. One way that you can do that is by memorizing scripture. Memorizing God's word hides it in your heart so that it's ready to hammer anything that comes your way. How else can we live according to God's word? Keep the hammer close at hand? Well, we can recount it. Verse 13, Psalm 119, verse 13, it says, With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Just recounting them, saying them, speaking God's word, reading God's word is the way that you can keep the hammer close at hand. You can actively memorize God's word, but if you read it often enough, it gets in there without you even knowing it. And what else does he say in verse 15? How can we keep our ways pure? Well, verse 15 tells us, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Don't just read God's word. Don't just memorize God's word. Kids are great at memorizing God's word, but do they meditate upon it and consider it while it's in their head? If you want to use God's hammer, it's not just about good enough to have the hammer at hand. You must know how to use it. And that means you need to meditate upon God's word. You need to consider it and understand what it's saying, not just be able to rattle it off, but be able to apply it, which means you're able to then hammer it. And this is where we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate our mind, to give us understanding. There are plenty of people who can read this book, memorize this book, but they can't apply the book. Why? Because the Holy Spirit hasn't given them the understanding of it. And so they cannot use it. And so therefore they cannot hammer the rocks that come at their way, the ideas that come their way. And therefore they can embrace delusions and ideas that are so dangerous. And that's what we need to remember. Why do we need to go through the hard work of memorizing God's word, recounting God's word, meditating upon God's word, considering God's word? Why do we need to keep the hammer close at hand? Because it's so dangerous so dangerous to live without God's hammer close at hand. It is very dangerous. Remember, dreams are not reality. Dreams are not reality. Sin will pollute. That's what we saw in Jude. And rejection of Christ destroys now and always for eternity in hell. False prophets saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, doesn't make it true that there is peace. We saw that in verse 17 of Jeremiah. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. They say it to people who despise God, you will have peace. But that doesn't make it true. And all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. God's word will shatter them one day. Even if they don't pick up the hammer and shatter it now, it will shatter them one day. When? On the last day. What will happen on the last day? God will sit in judgment and he will speak his words of judgment. And what will that do? It will shatter the dreamers 
It will shadow those who follow the dreamers for eternity in hell. One day God's word will shatter all dreamers. But we must not be like them. We must shatter the dreams now with God's word as it has been revealed to us. So have you been following dreamers? Have you been following dreamers? How do you know? Well, do you show you're a dreamer by your rejection of Christ? We saw that's what they were doing in the early church. These dreamers were leading people to reject Christ's authority and to embrace sin, sexual sin, but other sin. Is that you? Do you show that you're a dreamer by your rejection of Christ and embracing of sin? Clearly revealed commands of God have been given to you. Do you then embrace rejection of them? Be afraid. Why? You're living in dreamland. You're not living in reality. You're living in dreamland. And there are deathly consequences if you continue to live according to dreams. What must you do? Flee to Christ. Not flee from Christ. One of the scary things that people can do is they feel the guilt of their sin and they hide from God. You see that in the garden with Adam and Eve. They hide from God. Don't do that. If you've been rejecting Christ and you feel guilty about it now, if you've been embracing sexual sin or any other sin and you feel guilty about it now, don't fly from Christ. Fly to Christ. Ask him for forgiveness by his death at the cross. He came for sinners, not the righteous. Flee to him now and ask for forgiveness. Come to him. Let God's word shatter your unbelief now. Shatter your unbelief so you're saved by his word and by the word, which is Christ Jesus himself. He is the word made flesh. And then what should you do? You embrace Christ, well, you should join us. Join us who are believers in keeping God's word, God's hammer in our minds to keep on shattering false dreams, false dreams that come our way. Are you someone, you call yourself a Christian, are you someone who regularly hides, recounts, meditates, considers God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit so you keep your way pure? If someone was to look at your day, go through all the way that you've spent your day, would they see you as someone who keeps God's hammer close at hand and doesn't just keep it close at hand but uses it? Does that characterise you? If you walk around without your hammer, don't be surprised if sin overcomes you. And then deathly consequences start to pop up in your life. We must be ones who keep God's word, God's hammer in our minds. And so we're ready to hammer the false ideas that come up from our own minds and our other minds and test them and shatter them so we aren't polluted as people were in that early church. And what else should we do then? If we are people who regularly hold God's hammer and use it as we should, well, we should rejoice and thank God for his word and the salvation that has been brought to us through his word. Why is it a joyful thing to be a Christian? Why is it so wonderful to be a Christian? Why is there so much happiness in the members of Des Moines Baptist Church? Because we know eternal life is reality and not a dream. We're not living in dreamland. We're living in reality. And one day we'll be taken 
to be in the new heavens and the new earth. We have had God's word. If we are believers in Christ Jesus, we are God's people. We are ones who have had God's word shatter our unbelief so that we know what is real and what is not real. And we know what is real is that God exists and that we are his people and one day he will take us to be with himself. And so we have great joy in our hearts. And we are joyful as we move about in this world. Why? Because we're not subject to every whim of every dream that comes along. We're not going from one self-help book to another, to one guru to another, saying, what is it that I can do with my life? What is my purpose? How can I be happy? We don't have to follow whichever expert has popped up or go delve back into the pages of history and look at which philosopher had it right. We don't have to waste all that time. Why? Because we have the hammer. And it tells us what is right and what is true. And it tells us what is false. And so in one sense, if you have this book, you don't need all the philosophers. You don't need all the self-help books. You don't need to listen to anyone else at the end of the day if you have this book. And so there's a joy for the Christian because he just concentrates on this. doesn't mean that he doesn't interact with anybody else, but he loves to take this book and hit it against the ideas that come, and see through them so easily. They just shatter those ideas so easily once you just pick up the book and you tap it against it. It doesn't even take a big swing sometimes, just a little tap, and the ideas shatter completely. And so we can rejoice. We can rejoice with the psalmist. In Psalm 119, verse 14, what did he say? He said, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. We rejoice in following his statutes because we know that they are reality. They are the way to live. And we have eternal life through this word. Let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who speaks, the God who shatters false ideas by your word. Oh, Lord, though we confess that we have often embraced false ideas from dreamers and have been polluted and subject to destruction. But we thank you for your son, the word made flesh, who forgives dreamers and their sins by his blood. We thank you that many of us in this room have known what it is to be forgiven of our delusions and our false ideas and our sins through Christ's work at the cross. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue to use your word as a hammer, to shatter the false ideas and the sins that come our way. Help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you and so that we live joyful lives as we go through this world in reality, not in dreamland, looking forward to the reality that is to come. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is still trust, trusting in false dreams, may your word shatter their unbelief now and their sin by the power of the Holy Spirit so they do not die, they do not face destruction in hell, but instead have eternal life. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.